This is an ABC podcast. Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have been washed away. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. We need to be prepared for the future. I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it? And make sure everyone's safety comes first. Save what for dream. You must ready. Clearing roads, restoring critical infrastructure. Eventually, I know it's going to hit. It's only a matter of time. Helping your community. Helping your family. Helping you. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared. Hi, I'm Fred Hooper, and this is Pacific Prepared. It's a show all about natural disasters, climate change, and traditional knowledge, and how those things are all connected. And you'll hear that through stories from right across the Pacific. Each week, we work with local reporters there on the ground, letting us know what's happening in this space and what people want to hear about. On today's show, the importance of water in the Pacific and how the El Nino weather pattern might change things for farmers. Also, river life in Fiji. On one hand, it's great, but on the other hand, it's not so great. The risks of living by a huge river in the Pacific. And memories from a cyclone almost 20 years after the event, but still able to recall those tiny details that will probably never leave the mind. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. The time to prepare is now, not right before an emergency. No electricity, nothing whatsoever. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. The ocean water crashing down on the coast, sometimes smashing into the coastline. This is the coast in Tonga, and the waves are pounding into the rock faces. And then there's a slow trickle of water in a river and the frozen water within massive icebergs. About 70% of the Earth's surface is covered with water, something so important and vital for any life form. We've heard a lot about the El Nino weather pattern. So what does it mean for you? How will this actually impact people from day to day? Especially in a place like Tonga that heavily relies on water for food crops. Tonga Broadcasting Commission journalist and Pacific Prepared reporter Anna C.U. Falakaono has more. The Prime Minister is urging the people to use water wisely during the El Nino period. Honourable Hokkawa Meiligu says during this period there's hope people would understand what is at risk, especially with food security. The Prime Minister made the statement during the programme to mark World Food Day in Tonga with the theme... Water is life, water is food, live no one behind. About 98% of the farming of crops and livestock here in Tonga is rain-fed, 98%. That is, the water supply for farming and production relies solely on rainfall. Hence, the seasonality of production is due to variation in rainfall and temperature. The rainfall during the past three years has been excessive, all above the average rainfall. This is reflected by the low market price of Talofutuna fresh leaves and Talotonga due to their continuous high yield. 
but two of the very high vulnerable crops to trout. However, the national declaration of the El Nino drought season just announced from October to March next year will definitely reduce the tuba and the fruit yield significantly for most food crops during the drought. It is especially for most of the shallow-rooted crops, such as vegetable, watermelons, vanilla, and to produce any reasonable tuba and fruit yield during this drought, these crops must be supplied with water by farmers via manual application of water to crops or via drip irrigation. Today, the future protection for El Nino trout will be more frequent and last in a longer period as a result of climate change. Hence the importance of water to us all, not only for drinking, but also for the production of all food crops and livestock. Times like this, programs such as the school meals become more important as food becomes more expensive and our children may not have a meal every day. Meanwhile, the Minister of Agriculture, Lord Forher, says with the risks in place, the ministry is working closely with related stakeholders to find ways to use water wisely as it impacts the agricultural sector. Water is central to life and livelihood. By reducing hunger and poverty and achieving all sustainable development goals, the climate crisis, population growth, urbanization, industrialization, and social economic development are putting increasing pressure on water resources, increased extreme weather events, drought, and flooding are stressing our ecosystems with it Daunting consequences on global food security. We must harness the power of science, innovation, data and technology to produce more with less. To make every crop count, all of us must consume and manage water more efficiently. The impacts of El Nino have been recorded on the islands of Mava'o and Ha'apai on its water supply. The town officer of Neyafu Mava'o Labota says there are hardly any taro crops for families except for those who are now harvesting their local produce. Labota says families who are consuming taro are those who started to plant taro as early as February this year. Kawa tokia ya fahinga konikoe o taro, o kufufaka ofa upito upito tuwe taimini ya, nautoro na nautoro kimu wa mahilani. One of the impacts of El Nino on the island is that taro is only available to those who planted it earlier this year. Looking at cassava, the new price now at the markets is 30 pahanga 
poor and begged. It is getting expensive now as a result of El Nino. We are concerned about ways to keep the animals on the farm because of not enough water available. The lands are getting drier daily with no rainfall. Meanwhile, Benisimani Fatafehi of the island of Ha'abai says they are experiencing similar issues with local produce due to El Nino. Recently, a guest house in Ha'abai was saved following a fire incident. The fire and emergency services are constantly urging the public, especially growers, to avoid lighting a fire to clear the land because of the current situation and the land is dry due to El Nino. Thanks to Pacific Prepared reporter and Tonga Broadcasting Commission journalist Anasiu Falakano for that story. What's your plan? Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared. Singatoka is on Fiji's main island, on the southern coast, and running right through the middle is the very large Singatoka River. The river would be a great source of food, irrigation and just general enjoyment for people who live close. One of the downsides of being so close to a river like this one is being so close to a river like this one, especially during a cyclone. Pacific Prepared and freelance journalist Josiah Nanunga has this story. Marata village in the province of Naruga, Singatoka, is raising the stakes with its disaster preparedness, as Fiji is already one month into the deal cyclone season. Village spokesperson Autiko Kurivuba says they have overcome numerous severe flooding before and are now capitalizing on whatever resources they have to sustain them. He adds Narata Village is one of the low-lying areas in Singatoka susceptible to flooding. From our childhood, we have been well acquainted with information about natural disasters, particularly flooding and cyclones. We have been familiar with cyclone season. Simultaneously, we have been knowledgeable about the safety measures that every villager should adhere to in order to prevent incidents and casualties, especially considering that the village of Narata is susceptible to flooding. Kuridhuwa says most villages and residents who reside in low-lying areas along the Singletoka River are at risk from multiple hazards occurring simultaneously with the worst ever recorded in 1993. The most devastating disaster our village has ever experienced was Cyclone Kina in 1993, which resulted in severe flooding. 
the flood waters rose to the roof level of every house situated at the highest peak in the village, inundating all homes located at lower elevations. In response, the village elders constructed a new village church at the highest point in the village designed to serve as an evacuation center during times of disaster. Several surveys have also been conducted to explore the possibility of relocating the village to, to higher ground, but discussion is still ongoing, and that will be decided probably in the next 10 to 15 years with the assistance of relevant government um, and relevant non-government organizations. The village spokesperson adds that a piece of land has been identified and talks are underway to relocate the families. The village disaster response committee is working closely with Fiji's National Disaster Management Office, or NDMO, to carry out further assessment and surveys. However, this remains a long-term alternative. <laughs> In my role as the village spokesperson, I have developed a program for our villages immediately following any disaster. This uh, program encompasses activities such as boiling and uh, consuming safe and clean water, initiating rehabilitation efforts, and uh, preserving food stocks to provide for the villages during and uh, after a disaster. Additionally, uh, we have uh, established a disaster response committee uh, solely responsible for safeguarding the welfare of our villages during these uh, critical periods. The, the key to our continued resilience is the determination that has uh, propelled us forward in the face of uh, the various disaster our community has endured in recent years, uh, particularly uh, to mention uh, Cyclone Winston in 2016.
Despite all these challenges, Kurivuwa says that their resilience kept them going and motivated them to rebuild and rehabilitate using the available resources straight after disaster, even before receiving forms of assistance from the government and relevant non-government organizations. Na ni mata ukotoho na nduwe adhochi una vya mbaki na tabu nduwe mbaki uduwoshe ya lima na mbaki unda kone Dia adho na walubu na ukotoho na kila siya na kewa kahama The villages are a fully uh, cognizant of the disaster response measures to be taken uh, Particularly as we find ourselves during another, another cyclone season I have uh, taken it upon myself to ensure that we have an ample water supply in stock and have uh, set aside a budget uh, to cover the required expenses in case a disaster strikes us again this season. That's from November right up until April 2024. And then was Autiko Kurivuwa, the village spokesperson of Turagnikoro for Narata village in the province of Nadruga, Nabosa, Sigatoka. I am Chosaya Nduga, reporting from the Fiji Islands. Thanks to Pacific Prepared reporter and freelance journalist Josiah Nanunga for that story from Fiji. Disaster is part of our life, and recovering is also part of our life. As you see, they're smiling despite the devastation. That's how we are. You are listening to Pacific Prepared. Whenever there's a large event of some kind, your brain seems to store it in a certain place. You can often recall tiny details about that day. When on a normal day, these things might not be kept quite in the same way. This is what happened to a Nui resident. When he was asked about a huge cyclone that struck in 2004, almost 20 years ago. This story is from a new program on ABC Radio Australia called Climate Mana. We start our journey with Brendan Parsisi, a Nuean marine biologist, one of the best fishermen on the island, and he's also the project manager of Nui Oceanwide. Um, we realised that probably a lot of the, the local kids haven't had the opportunity to go out in a boat. So we wanted to give all the little kids uh, an opportunity to come out and see the, the ocean and the island from the sea. And uh, hopefully they'll start to appreciate a little bit more. We'll plant the seed so they start looking after the ocean. Brendan has always loved the ocean. He was born into a family of fishermen. His father and grandfather were fishermen. Like most Polynesian families in the islands, fishing and living off the ocean is an important part of the family lifestyle. And for Brendan, the ocean has always provided for his family. There was, though, a time when his love of the ocean was put to the test. So 
take us back. Take us back to January 4th, 2004. Where were you or, and who was with you at that time? Well, it's a few moons ago, but um, probably some of the detail is uh, not quite as sharp as it used to be, but definitely an experience that you never forget. We were at my brother's uh, flat in Aliluki on the seaside at that time, if I recall correctly, in a, a family get-together uh, welcoming in the new year. Um, uh, everything was um, nice and rosy and uh, everyone was having a good time. And then, of course, we were alerted to the fact that there was this cyclone coming down and a, a friend of ours who was, was working in Samoa at the time had advised that uh, we should be um, on guard because it was a very large cyclone and it had, had uh, hit Samoa. No one really understood at the time what Category 5 was because... Had we known that uh, the last big cyclone that we had, which was Cyclone Offer, was Category 3, then we would have understood what Category 5 potentially meant. That night and all Sunday, Brendan and his family went about preparing for the worst. They shuttered their windows, stowed their valuables, and packed their bags in case they had to flee. As I was the head of fisheries at the time, um, so I went down to the wharf to secure the wharf facilities, our workshop and offices. And so we were um, sort of preparing just to hang out uh, there. And um, I got a call from uh, my parents and who live uh, up on the upper terrace on the way to the airport. And they uh, basically called us and said, look, um, we want you, everybody in one place. Can you please come up? So we headed up that way, and as I drove out, <clears throat> the waves uh, were starting to get bigger. We were very uh, high up away from the ocean, obviously, but the salt spray was like rain. You know, it, you could taste the salt in your mouth. So we, we had, uh, yeah, the whole family and the grandkids um, uh, in the house at the time. We had cats, dogs, and pot plants included. And, um, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> we were in the ark, uh, as it were, um, but we had to evacuate. And uh, so we opted to go under the house in what is really just a, a, a storage area, uh, only about a metre and a half high. The house was a, was a little bit like jelly. The walls were wobbling. The, the, we thought the roof had come off. It just shifted gears several gears from what we thought was the height of it to something that was just, you know, um, off the scale. New Age journalist Esther Pabahi on the first episode of Climate Mana, hosted by Samoan journalist Lungi Poiva, Dr. Sherelle Jackson. And you can hear that on ABC Radio Australia. I'm just holding on for dear life here. For women, it's always safety first. They are the first responder. You're listening to Pacific Prepared. The fish markets in Samoa are busy. People wandering around, bending down to get a closer look at the fish on display from the sellers. The fish are all laying out on stainless steel benches. Each person is almost guarding the fish from behind, mainly from the flies. Recently, Pacific Prepared visited the markets to find out how climate change and natural disasters affects their lives. <laughs> we suffer from uh, we suffer from the lack of water and uh, 
because we depend on uh, the you know the wow yeah but here in in Saudi Arabia yeah we don't have those uh only the uh far villages uh, yeah and what about when uh, there is a natural disaster how does it affect your fish numbers too we we we, we can't we can't go we can't get fish mm. we we just wait till the it finish and and we know the it's safe for the fishermen and then we they go i am yuki Zako from Lovely. yeah uh 38 and uh i'm a housewife so just use to sell fish for my brother yeah. have you been selling fish here for for long like in terms of many years now or not that long around about three months now okay yeah, yeah. Just from your experience living in Samoa, what sort of natural disasters have you lived through? Natural disasters, um, floodings and um, cyclones, um, earthquake, earthquakes sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel during those events like cyclones and earthquakes? My um, experience in living in Samoa about cyclones, uh, it's kind of normal to, to us because... It happens around the world and everywhere, so it's it's kind of normal for us, especially me and my kids, because we we were living in um on the coastal areas, and um, the only thing that we are scared of is uh, we can see how the tide changes when it's um, cyclones or falling trees, but not that much of a changes. Yeah, that's all. And how do you think um, climate change is talked about now in Samoa? Um, I think the in schools, in schools, yeah, in schools, um, a lot of um, teachers and um, uh, they, they they're always um, teaching how to how the kids to um, to learn about um, the climate change and also the um, experience how to live about the climate change around in Samoa and also they had to be aware of um, if it's any kind of um, natural disaster like um, for example the tsunami from 2019 so it's a bit of scare for us because it's the first time happened in Samoa so that's why it's very important um, to the to all of the teachers to teach and um, uh, tell the children to how to learn and um, ex- and um, be very what you call um, aware of yeah of the natural disasters yeah do you think that people are talking about it more now than maybe they were sort of 10 or 20 years ago um i think nowadays um the people are talking more about it because it's very it's kind of uh, very dangerous to us especially um we can see how um, it changes nowadays uh and uh, apart from um 20 or 10 years ago it's not that it's not that dangerous but right now we can see um how it changes from years to years or yeah so yeah and do you feel 
quite vulnerable living on an island or in a country like Samoa? Do you feel like you're quite vulnerable to natural disasters being in the middle of the Pacific? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah sure. Does, does that sort of worry you at all? No, no, not at all. (laughs) Some of the sellers from the Samoan fish market explaining how natural disasters and climate change impact their lives and their ability to make a living. This show was made on the lands of the peoples of Stony Creek Nation in Lutruwita, Tasmania. Pacific Prepared is supported with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the Australian Government is produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, National Broadcasting Corporation of Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Fijian Broadcasting Corporation, Samoa National Radio 2AP, Solomon Islands Broadcasting Corporation, and Tonga Broadcasting Commission. Part of the aim of this program is to start conversations about natural disasters, climate change and traditional knowledge and how they're all linked together. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared. Pacific Prepared.